Please turn in your Old Testaments to Genesis 28, verses 10 through 22, as we continue in this series called Destination Transformation, how Jacob goes from Jacob the deceiver to Israel, the one in whom Yahweh has has won and, and been victorious. This is a very famous passage about what we call Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. And this is the very word. One, one thing before we read the Bible. Pastoral privilege. Tuesday is an election. Vote. You are citizens of the United States of America. Vote. We're not trying to tell you how to vote. We're saying God won't love you anymore if you don't vote. Actually, that's not true. But I'll tell you what is true is I don't want to hear any complaining from you if you didn't vote. And I'm going to ask you when you say, I can't believe this. Did you vote? No. Then shut up. (laughs) So vote. All right? (laughs) Now, we won't put all that on tape. (laughs) So let me me act like I'm beginning again. Would you turn in your Bibles now to Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. And these are the very words of God himself. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. I didn't use the southern pronunciation, Haran. And he came, note these words, he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, He put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep, and he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord. The God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. And he was afraid. And he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and he set it up for a pillar and he poured olive oil on top of it and anointed it and he called the name of that place Bethel. The name of that city was formerly Luz. And then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, 
so that I come again to my father's house in peace and the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. So I want to begin with a question this morning. The question is very simple, and I want you to answer it in your heart. Who deserves grace? I'll give you a hint. It's not the really good people. Because the really good people don't need grace. They're already really good, at least in their own minds. Who deserves grace? Answer, nobody. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us need grace. None of us deserve it. That's why it's called grace. Gift. Not something we earn. Okay, I've got a second question. If you are a believer in Christ, I want you to think about your own life. I want you to answer this question in your heart. Why, I think I'll add the words in the world. Why in the world would God stick with you? Why would he stick with you? That's the second question. I want you to, those, these questions are coming back later. Who deserves grace? Why would God stick with you? These questions remind me of Jacob, who reminds me of me. And reminds me of you. And I want you to know, Jacob is not out in the boonies because he's on some spiritual pilgrimage trying to find God. No, sir. No, Jacob has tried to use cunning to make his life work. Lies, trickery, cunning... And he is running for his life from his furious brother Esau who has made a vow to kill Jacob, his brother, because Jacob has tricked him out of his birthright and tricked him out of the blessing. And where we find Jacob here in Genesis 28, he is isolated. He's alone. He is fearful. He is downcast. He is desperate as we find him here in this passage. And you know what? The man who is not looking for God is found by God. He's found by God. Jacob, bless his heart, he only has a stone for a pillow as he sleeps. And God comes to Jacob and this just shows you how passive we are in God's grace. It's even in his sleep. It's even when he's doing nothing that God is going to come to him in a dream that will change Jacob's life forever. And I want you to know if you will open your ears, open your mind and your hearts, this dream will change your life too. In some way today. So I'm going to be giving you like three points, three progressions. I'm not going to give them to you in the front. You're going to write them down in your Bible. Like if you come back to this passage, you can kind of see a little outline. But the first one is, the first progression is the dream itself. What we call Jacob's Ladder. It's a little amazing thing that it's, it's just shown here. It's just true all over the scriptures That God loves to chase down people who have failed. Chase them down. 
He loves to chase down folks who are tired, weary, stressed out, vulnerable. Because God loves to meet us when our lives feel like they are more falling apart than they are put together. That is exactly when God wants to meet us and exactly when, by the way, we are more open to God. God, the actual God of heaven and earth, I'm talking about the one who made everything, sustains everything, who just gave you that breath you drew right there. This God pursues us. That's hard for some people to believe. I know all the other gods, you got to pursue him or her or it or or them or whatever. No, no. The, the real God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob pursues us. He comes to us before we get to go to him. And that's the meaning of the latter that Jacob dreams about. Jacob dreams of this ladder that's literally bringing down heaven to earth. Verse 11, taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and he lay down in that place to sleep and he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder and it was set up on the earth and it reached all the way to heaven and behold, the angels were descending and ascending on it. Now, you may remember, and if you don't, that's okay, in Genesis 11, after the ark comes to rest on Mount Ararat, the next scene that we have, and you would think that people would would just stay with the Lord, you know, in their their religion, that uh, surely if you're in the ark and everybody's drowned, you say salvation is definitely of the Lord. That's the only reason I've survived. But you know, it's, it's just the next scene where people have multiplied, that this, this kind of human religion, this kind of world religion hadn't changed since this day, till this day. The world religions, we can get to God. We can formulate what it means to go to God. We will build a ladder, a tower. The, the word is a ziggurat. It means it's like a spiral staircase. That's what we're calling a, a ladder here. We'll build a ziggurat to God and we'll make our way to heaven. No, that project failed because God would not allow it. Because holy God cannot be reached by man in his own effort. Cannot. So here Jacob has a dream of a ladder, a ziggurat, a spiral stairway. that kind of starts in heaven, if you will, and leads all the way down to earth and God we read is speaking over this and the angels are descending and ascending it's kind of like wow you look at this we'll call it a ladder okay you look at this ladder and it's like man angels from the throne of God are coming down here and going up in other words that ladder ladder is all the way to the throne that's that's the meaning of the angels going up and down on the ladder god comes to us. God builds the ladder and he comes down the ladder to take us up. Now, in the New Testament, in John chapter 1, we learn where and through whom the ladder becomes a reality. In John chapter 1, we we learn that the ladder, Jacob's ladder, because Jesus is going to quote Genesis 28, Jesus saying, I'm Jacob's ladder. You've been wondering who this ladder is that connects God and us. I am Jacob's ladder. John 1, 
verses 45 through 51. Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, We have found him. We have found the one whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David. Nathanael said to him, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and he said of him, behold, there is an Israelite in whom there is no guile, no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, way over there, I saw you. Nathaniel answered, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. You, you, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, he's talking about his baptism. That, that you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending on the Son of Man. Jesus quotes Genesis 28 and he's saying, I am the ladder. I'm the connector. I'm where heaven and earth intersects. Jesus is not just another prophet showing us the way, showing us some list to do, showing us some things to believe and to do. No, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one who loves sinners and pursues them, who, who comes down, who comes down uh, the ladder. You know... Uh, when you read the Gospels, one of the things that strikes you about Jesus of Nazareth is this. He literally pursued people that no one else would. He's always pursuing the tax collector, the, the harlot, the, quote, sinner of one kind or another. You know, the people that are ostracized from the synagogue. This is, this is what it said. He's a pursuer in his life. And so... You, you don't have to, right where you are, you don't have to get your life together spiritually. You don't have to get your life together for Jesus to want you. Isn't that good news? Jesus pursues us as sinners right where we are because He is a God of grace. Period. Right now, Sheer grace, wherever you are in your life, whatever you do, don't look inside for your answer. Because if you look inside, you're going to see if you're honest. And you're going to say, maybe God doesn't want me. If God could see me the way I really am, I would understand that he doesn't want me. Let me tell you, he sees you the way you are. Don't look inside. No, look at, first of all, Jacob. Lying, cunning, tricking Jacob. And no, that's the kind of people God tracks down. Look at who God is and look at the ladder. This is Jesus coming down. Remember Jesus' words, I have not come for the righteous, but for sinners. I have come. Can I just say that again? 
I have not come for the righteous. But for you and for me. For sinners. And like, let's just call a, just a timeout. Let's just take a snapshot of your heart right this moment. Let me tell you, if grace sounds good to you right now, right where you are, that God actually does want to pursue you, that may very well mean that he is coming after you today in some way in your life. Let him catch you. Be still. Open your, your, your heart and your life to him, this God of grace. And so back to our, our, our story, our text, you know, instead of rebuking Jacob, God encourages Jacob. God forgives Jacob. God gives all these promises to this lying, tricking person. Now you would think, you would think that, man, God would catch up with Jacob out in that field, probably out in the field because he's avoiding the city so that Esau won't come and looking for him in the cities to kill him. You think that when God finally caught up with Jacob, he, he would grab him and he would take him out to the woodshed and let Jacob have it. He would confront Jacob and he'd say something like this, and you call yourself a Christian. See, that's the way it translates into our lives when we are before a holy God. And you call yourself a Christian? And look at you. You are pathetic. No, that is not the voice of God to Jacob, nor to me and you. That is the voice of Satan. You are pathetic. You, you're not going to get God's grace. God doesn't want you anymore. That is not what the God of grace does when he catches up with Jacob. So the first thing is that dream of the latter. But the second thing is what God says to Jacob in this dream. God forgives and promises. If you want to write that down. No, he says this instead of you're pathetic. I am the God of your father's. And I am your God. I will show you. I will be with you. I will promise you. I will make good on my promises to you. I will lead you. I will love you. Man. Jacob didn't deserve any of that. To you who had to leave your father and your mother. And boy, he had to leave fast, didn't he? This is the place where God unilaterally declares, I'm the God of your fathers. I am the one who will give you a family beyond number. To a person who had to leave home, he's homeless. We read in verse 13, you know something, I'm going to give you a home. In fact, the land that you're lying on right now, I'm going to give that to you and your descendants. And they're going to live in this land. And to somebody who blew it so badly, and he blew it badly, this is what God says to him. Can you believe this? To Jacob, the deceiver, I'm giving you the same promises I gave to Abraham, and I gave to your father Isaac. Verse 14, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the east and to the west and the north and the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families 
of the earth be blessed. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, because that's exactly, almost word for word, what God told Abraham. As he made promises, and we see he is keeping those promises. Jacob does not deserve to have the the presence of God in this way. He does not deserve to have the promises of God, and he does not deserve the provision of God. But thank God, the Lord comes to him in total grace. And this helps us see how God views inconsistent people like us. This is how God views people who have blown it, like us. People who are stressed out and lonely so often by our own making, like us. Look, we read in the book of Hebrews, and this also resonating with the entire Old Testament as well as the New Testament, that we are to say that God is and that He is Hear this, the faithful rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Meaning, yes, God is the faithful rewarder of those who humbly, knowing that God is God and we're not, not trying to run our life independent from God. The faithful rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But here we find out that he is also the finder And the giver of grace to those who stray. And one month those who seek him may be the next month those who stray. We've all sinned. And we fall short of the glory. All of us must have that ladder. And that connection to have the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all these promises to be ours. Okay. Here's what we know about grace. Remember our opening question? Who deserves grace? Well, God's grace is always for those who don't deserve it. So it's for you. It's for sinners. Remember the second question? Why would God stick with you? Or me, for that matter. Well, through Jacob, we hear God saying, and he says this, I won't leave you. To add a little bit of other scripture, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I will be with you. I will keep you. The Lord says, I will lead you. And he's saying to you and to me, I will allow you to go through the darkest places. And be so stressed out and, and so vulnerable so that I can be the God of grace to you rather than you just trying to climb a ladder for my blessing. I want to bless you simply because I chose you. I want to bless you simply because I am gracious and compassionate and showing mercy and keeping my promises to you and the generations that follow you. Matthew Henry says, Whom God loves He never leaves. Let me just say that again. Right wherever you are in your life, just let this kind of hit you. Whom God loves, He never leaves. 
So we have the, the dream of the ladder. And then we have the, the promises, the forgivenesses and the forgiveness and the promises that God made to Jacob. And then finally we we have Jacob's reaction to all this. We're interested to how he's going to react. Jacob reacts with worship and faith. That's that's the way we react to to being with the God of grace and to receiving his grace. He reacts with worship and faith. And so let's get back to this. And he came to a certain place because the sun had gone down. What's so great about this is that the this whole this emphasis on a certain place means that it really wasn't the place wasn't important. He just kind of that's where he was. That was where he was in his fear. That's where he was just so paralyzed. That certain place becomes the house of God. That's what's so amazing about this. It's like, oh, it's just this place. Oh, it's not. No, where God shows up with his grace, it's not just a place. This random certain place of pain out in the middle of some field near a tiny town formerly called Luz becomes the house of God. Verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And when I got here, I didn't know it. And he was afraid. He's going to worship. There's awe, like a proper fear of God. And he was afraid and he said, how awe-striking, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, of Yahweh. This is none other than the gate of heaven. Because he had seen the ladder, this, this ladder right there in this place. He realized that God had been with him. He understood that the ladder was for him. This is the gate of heaven. And he is filled with awe and worship. Verse 17. And so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that had been under his head and he set it up for a pillar, for a, for a monument, for a place of, of worship. He set it up for a pillar and he poured olive oil on top of it. He anointed it for a holy purpose to mark it as a holy place verse 19 and he renamed the place he called the name of that place Bethel when it was formerly called the city of Luz he anointed it and called it Bethel which means El is God Beth is house it means house of God and it would always be that place Of the presence of God for someone that didn't deserve it. And the ladder of God who reaches sinners. Jacob worshipped one final way. He made a vow. You know, the the communicants and the inquirers, they, they all made vows. We still make vows as a part of worship. When you get married, you make vows. When you get baptized, there are vows. Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. 
And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be that place, Bethel, the house of God. And if all you give to me, God, I will fully give you a tenth. This is the second time the tithe is mentioned. The first is uh, Melchizedek giving God a tithe of all that he had. And I don't want to talk about tithing right now. So you kind of say, well, wait a minute. Did Jacob just say, if you do, is that, was that like an if then? Well, not really. If is more like this. Since I know that you are God, then. If this is going to happen, then. You see, this is like faith. If this is going to happen, then I'm going to say you're my God. If this is going to happen, it's more like that. Or maybe you could, and some people do translate this word, if, since. Since this happens, then I will walk with him. I will do what he wants to do, and I will give him a tenth of all he gives me as an act of worship. Well, here's the point. Jacob is different because he met God that night. This is the turning point of Jacob. And we're going to find out there's going to be another huge turning point at a place called Peniel. You stay with us. He's going to, and he's going to get his, his hip wrenched out of, out of socket for his whole life when he gets changed again. But you'll have to come back to, 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 to hear about that. Um, Jacob is different for the rest of his life because he met God that night. That's, that's what grace can do in our lives. I mean, God can just blow us away by, by giving us, like even us, even us his presence and reasserting his promises. I am still with you. I still love you. I'm still going to lead you. I'm still going to provide for you. And when we don't think we deserve it, that's often the time when we're most open to grace. Because when we think we deserve it, it's never grace. Through grace, like Jacob, there's a transformation of how we see God, of our hearts. Uh, there is an outlook about life now with God and His promises. An outlook of life has changed. And literally, with grace, our future is altered. We become different and our future is altered. It's much more like the goodness of God. It's much more like the promises of God. So let me ask, where, where are you? Where are you? Where are, right now when you're in this certain place, I mean, where are you? Are you just like wondering why a bunch of things hadn't happened in your life and you're just like wondering where God is? Are you looking inside and you're, you're saying, God, I'm just so dirty, sinful. And I just wonder whether you have it within you to still love me. Are you just scared? Are you just kind of isolated because of your fears and and the things that just grip you and you've pulled away from people and you've pulled away from God, you're kind of just in the tough position just trying to make it through. Where are you? What certain place are you in? A great book that C.S. Lewis wrote that I recommend is called The Problem of Pain. Dealing with 
hard things and why they happen and how we respond. The problem of pain. And C.S. Lewis said in this book, The Problem of Pain, something that's very famous. He says, you know, God speaks to us in our pleasures. You know, when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's not what Lewis said. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. But he shouts to us in our pain. He gets through to us in our pain. And he speaks to Jacob in his pain, in his need. in And he will do the same for you. This certain place where you are, he, he will speak to you in your need, in your pain. And you know, sometimes it's kind of at that low point, isn't it? I'm not saying it has to be the lowest point and there's nowhere lower to go. Forget all that. Just figure out where you are at this certain place right now in your life. And sometimes we have to get to a low point to meet God with the most ability to see grace, need grace and grasp, appropriate God's grace because we are needy. In that certain place. And we are open if we're not down in the tough position just trying to be tougher than our problems. And we remember Yahweh God who tenderly, compassionately loves His children. Wherever you are, don't look inside. Look at the ladder. He's coming after you. Jesus is the ladder. He he has come to us. He has come down the ladder to, to take hold of us, to rescue sinners like us. God is pursuing you. Whether you know it or not, I promise you, He's pursuing you. And we often need for Him to come after us, and He does, and He's full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Every single time. And let me just say right now, If your heart is kind of vibrating to what you're hearing right now, this is good. You kind of, if your heart's kind of vibrating, if there's a sense of excitement about even the possibility of some forgiveness, even the possibility of, of an embrace from God, if you're kind of excited about that, if you're wondering whether that is like for real and too good to be true, but you're kind of excited about that and, and, and this idea that God will place His arms around you and lead you, I'm telling you, if that's where you are right now, if you feel that right now, I, I'm telling you, I think God's after you. I think that uh, that, that whatever the catastrophe is, It's what Tolkien called the the you catastrophe, the good catastrophe. The catastrophe that leads us to good because it leads us to God. Receive His grace today. Let me close with this. God can move your life from a certain place of pain and disappointment and guilt and anger and fear, many other things. He can move your life from a certain place of these things, of this pain, to Bethel. The place where He is. The place where He promises. The place where He puts His arm around you, loves you, and leads you. God is here. 
in this place. This is a place of worship. Could I say with Jacob, how awesome is this place? This is where the word of God is proclaimed about grace. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This, because of the gospel, this is the gate of heaven. I'm going to close with a song that goes like this. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Pilgrims in this barren land. I am weak, but you are mighty. Guide me with thy powerful hand. Listen to this. Bread of heaven. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Let's pray. Lord, as we go to prayer and then to responding by singing, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Lord, could you just not allow us to to move away from what we perceive as where we really are? Would you not allow things to kind of put a film over the honesty you just gave us by the power of your spirit and the dissection, the dissecting healing power of your word? If you're in a place of pain and isolation, if you've never put your trust in Christ and you see, I, I can't make my ziggurat to God, but he's come to me. You pray with me, Lord, I see it. I, I cannot make it to you, but you have come to me. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn from everything that I have called religion and everything I have called Christianity. And I want to put my trust, Jesus, in you and what you have done for me, taking my sin and abolishing it before a holy God to bring the embrace of God. And I simply put my faith in your finished work. I receive you, Jesus, the resurrected Christ into my life. Lord, there are many of us. We've known you. We know these truths, but somehow we just get off. And the enemy of our souls loves to be the father of lies and the, con- the one who condemns the brothers and sisters. And if you're in that place and God is encouraging you about his grace, you pray with me, Lord, that's me. And I'm just hoping it'll somehow get better. Or I've been reading all my self-help books trying to make it better. Lord, would you come to me? Would you hunt me down and find me in your grace? Would you forgive me? And Lord, just where I am filled with disappointment and anger, Lord, would you heal me? And help me to find my primary love in Calvary love and your love that held nothing back for me that brings me yet again into your arms. Lord, could you just lead me just to the next place of faith and give me faith to take another step? Bless me, God, because of your grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.